about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. So yesterday I had this remembrance that it would be important for me to get back into a habit of choosing an energy at the very start of the day um, when I wake up and then having like a kind of gratitude closure as I go to sleep. This is one of my favorite practices. Um, I have gone in and out of doing it, but when I do it every day, it builds up a crescendo of energy where Basically, at the beginning of the day, I decide what kind of day it's going to be. And it's not even very specific necessarily. It's just this openness to greet the day that it's going to be an amazing day. And basically cutting through that early morning fog or um, maybe residual sadness from things that I'm grieving or whatever it is, like those very kind of the energetic sensitivity of that first moment and to bring intention there. And what I've noticed is that when I do this, my life opens up where things actually do happen to reflect that intention. There's something very magical and powerful about that liminal space at the beginning of the day and adding a, you know, adding will there and then going to sleep, tuning into a kind of like gratitude for what the day brought and then dissolving into that. And so it basically affirms at these two liminal waking and sleeping moments, a love for life and I really only, you know, last yesterday I decided to do it. I did the gratitude before going to sleep. I woke up and remembered and have definitely felt the energy and excitement. So I'm excited to see what will unfold um, in carrying this forward. I also just had my exact hit of my Saturn return. And while there has been so, so much that I've felt um, and noticed and seen you know, come into being or kind of shift in terms of maybe patterns that I've worked with for years and have noticed a maturation within myself. And so there's been some internal internal workings, really. Um, I've been really focused on astrology in my career since my early 20s. And so I've also felt um, like my Saturn return has been very fruitive and easeful around career matters. And it's been more auditing, um, as in, you know, seeing where the leaks are, like showing me what I need to look at in, um, just like my psychological landscape and my personal patterns. And it's been really humbling. But one of the things that came through as my Saturn return was exact was this internal feeling that I'm ready to turn up the heat, as in um, kind of bring more effort to my creativity in that like the last few years I have been, you know, seemingly producing, um, which I am, but I've felt internally like I've been in a very long hibernation and unraveling of my poise 
um, kind of moving more into embodiment and kind of like my primal body. And I've been um, going very slowly and having these kind of um, just this like luxurious energy, which I love. But I also remember earlier in my life, like the kind of caffeinated energy of like, I have all these, you know, hills I'm going to climb or these mountains I'm going to climb today and just like really working towards something. Um, and in the last few years, my meditation has been less, you know, I've had goals, but I've been really sinking more into presence and enjoyment and rapport with my body. Um, and in that it's been like a low to the ground kind of energy and so I'm feeling what it's like to kind of introduce a little bit more heat, a little bit more speed to my system, not in a way that is surpassing my range or is overdoing it, but in a way that's honoring, you know, what's wanting to emerge and come into being next. So this episode, speaking of fire, um, I'm really excited to share this poetry reading with Fabiola Calvo. Um, she's taken the intensive and was in Meteorite. And for her Meteorite project, so this is an advanced astrology course um, that's coming again March 6th. Um, I'll leave the link to you know the application on the course page and all of that in the notes. Um, but this is an advanced program where we go deeper into astrology from the foundation that we built in the intensive. Um, we, you know, it's a very kind of living astrologically space. So we talk about our life experiences. We look at the transits. We learn astrology from this place of um, bringing it back to our experience and bringing our experience to astrology and in that fusion, developing ourselves personally and cosmically. The focus of the program is to develop and cultivate personal voice and astrological embodiment. And in service to that, students create a project that is an initiation for themselves, where this project can be research, it can be academic, it can be professional, it can be personal, it can be creative. The scope of the project is designed by each participant. Fabiola created poems, um, pieces of writing, and tracked the transits that the poems came through. So in this process of deepening relationship with transits and with astrology, finding that um, synchronicity between the muses and like inner inspiration. Fabiola is a beautiful writer um, with the transits. And when Fabiola shares her writing in class, there's just kind of this um, enchanted mood that comes over the space. We love to hear her read her writing. We feel the, the transmission, the magic in it. And I felt so excited to be able to have this conversation here and do a poetry reading for the first time on magic of the spheres and kind of open this window of what it's like to combine poetry and creative writing with astrological literacy and to feel that just like divinity in seeing how the planets reflect 
in our writing and how our writing reflects the planets. And this is something, you know, when it comes to astrology, I think that having an interdisciplinary practice or combining astrology with our other interests um, opens up juicy things like this, where it's like, what, what is it like to be an artist and an astrologer at the same time? So get ready for some beautiful music writing to enter your ears and to touch or move something internally. I find that Fabiola's writing is like a soulful reflecting pool. A little bit about Fabiola before we begin. Fabiola is an evolutionary astrologer and writer. She loves studying dreams, esoteric healing arts, depth psychology, nature, and indigenous cultures. She's working on creating offerings at the moment, but for now you can find her nature and her poems on Instagram at fabicalvo underscore on Instagram. So that's F-A-B-I-C-A-L-V-O underscore. And I will get into sharing this episode with you all now. One more announcement before we begin. The Evolutionary Astrology Intensive is open for enrollment again. We're beginning May 2nd and going through mid-September 2022. The Evolutionary Astrology Intensive is a foundational program learning about astrology from the perspective of Pluto and the lunar nodes. So we go into the archetypes, the planets, um, and build from the foundational building blocks, looking at the archetypes from a perspective of their deeper underlying soulful intention. So the why behind Aries, the why behind Scorpio and so on. And throughout, I really encourage students to build their own deep personal connection to the archetype so that it is embodied, right? Pluto's significance in the natal chart is as deep and mysterious as Pluto's physical distance from Earth. Pluto is a gateway to dialoguing with the unconscious and the subconscious realm. It is a trapdoor through the veil, the way we find ourselves here on Earth at some point without memory of where or who we were prior. Yet life speaks to the deeper memory at the core of our being through our fascinations, desires, obsessions, and struggles. We each have the opportunity in this life to awaken to our deepest inner truth and live from that place. Working with Pluto and the lunar nodes becomes a direct communication with the soul, the being who has been here before and will quite likely be here again. In the context of the world, we speak of the importance of history, that history repeats itself or at least rhymes. The soul has a past too, and our lives are the cutting edge of our soul's evolution. This form of astrology is therapeutic and electrifying because it is a bridge to what we know inside at such a deep level, but have likely not been giving the language or mapping for it. Making sense of my life through this profound wisdom school, evolutionary astrology has been one of my deepest and most unrelenting adventures, and I'm excited to share it again. And the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive is an all-levels program. Um, I have students who are years deep into astrology, as well as people who are newer to the field. Um, it's able to be all levels because we 
begin with the basics and build up to chart interpretation. And for anyone who's already very deep into astrology, we always gain from going back to, you know, the so-called basics. They continue to unfold these new depths and layers. Um, But we're also approaching astrology from a particular vantage point that may be different from your experience already. Right. Like the way that I teach and work with the archetypes is that they are all infinite multivalent portals that they have an intelligence beyond what we already know or can imagine. And so part of the practice, part of how we approach astrology is unraveling our own projections or baggage that we've associated with the archetypes and getting into a deeper layer of truth and connection and communion with them. Um, So this is a great program for coming into awareness of evolutionary astrology and knowing how to work with Pluto on the lunar nodes to gain a sense of who the soul is on a multi-lifetime journey. This is a reincarnation form of astrology. So getting that kind of deep history narrative of the self, as well as a sense of location of where you're headed, um, what the kind of dharmic path in this lifetime is. It's very much not prescriptive um, or limiting, but a really profound lens to have about ourselves and something that has been giving me riches ever since I found it um, when I was 21. And if you go back to kind of the, you know, throughout the canon of this podcast, the second episode, I talk about how evolutionary astrology entered my life. Um, And throughout this podcast, I've had a lot of conversations with astrologers from a bunch of different lineages, um, as well as EA or evolutionary astrology specific episodes, especially any episode that is about Pluto. Um, And we have a few of those throughout the podcast as well. So if you are feeling called to deepen your relationship with astrology, to study with me, to learn evolutionary astrology, find the link in the notes for the evolutionary astrology intensive. We begin in May. And if you've already studied through the intensive with me and want to go deeper um, and create a project of some kind or you know, really deepen your personal astrological voice, Meteorite will also be linked in the notes. And we begin that one in March, 2022. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Fabiola Calvo. And this is a first on the podcast. We're going to hear some pieces of creative writing and dialogue about it. And these have been also like astrologically inspired or connected to the transits. Um, So first, welcome. I'm really excited that you're here, Fabiola. Oh, thank you. I feel honored to be here. My cheeks are really red. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to hear kind of about your writing practice um, and then how it's intersected with astrology um, in general. Okay. Um, So my writing practice um, has been evolving over time. And I would say that I wouldn't like when I was younger, I just didn't consider myself as a writer. That was the, I felt like I struggled in school with like writing and stuff. Um, But as I like got into my early twenties, I started to journal a lot and 
I would just write down whatever, like whatever came to me. And it was mostly like processing what had been going on in my inner world. Um, and I didn't really have like any kind of, I didn't discipline myself in any way. I would say I just like, I would write down whenever I felt like inspired to write. And eventually I just like, eventually I was just like researching. Um, I was researching astrology and like alchemy. I was trying to like really dig in deep into these sub subjects. Um, and when I discovered astrology, it was like discovering a language that matched like my inner world or like what I was putting on paper. Um, and so I've kind of just still been going with like the flow of like what comes through me and out of me. And like, sometimes I do feel like blocked um like emotionally blocked because I feel like I feel like when I write there's like an emotional charge behind it and it feels like it sometimes feels like a rush of like water coming to me in like the form of words but sometimes it like it gets like jammed in there and like um eventually I'll just write it all out and sometimes that is a way for me to like energetically remove the block, but sometimes it takes other forms of like, I don't know, singing or dancing or like just other practices that I have to like get my juices flowing. Um, but this project, like these, these writings that I'm going to share, they, I made a point to like not put any pressure on myself to like to come up with something um I wanted to naturally like give birth to whatever it was that wanted to come through me and so I had an intention of like writing a book of prayers for the planets and what came of it was my voice on paper and so I would look at my writings and then I would, I always like write down the day and the time in my journal. And so then I would cast a chart for that. And then towards the end, that's how I kind of weaved everything together. Like, oh, like my writings are conversing or like, yeah, they're conversing with the planets. Mm -hmm. I love the image of water here for words and the sense that um, your writing and what you've shared always feels like a transmission. There is an emotional charge to it and um, it's really captivating. And so it's cool to hear that kind of the process of writing it also feels like a flood um, and that it, you know, you're navigating that sense of the fluid, like freedom of that water or where it starts to feel stuck um, and kind of the writing practice or other artistic expressive practices being part of that movement of that energy. Mm -hmm. um, so 
Was there anything about your natal chart or like your personal astrology that really began to stand out to you as like part of your creative expression as a writer? Um, <clears throat> that's a really good question. I feel like when I dove into astrology, I was really eager to like understand everything. Um, and I think when I would like go on walks or like do my, do whatever practices that I do, that's when I would start to like have, or like connect. How do I explain this? Um, that's when I started to really like feel into my chart and like some of the plan. I, cause I can, I can draw my chart. I've stared at it for so long, but like, so when I'm walking, I kind of have it in my mind and I feel like that's when the planets start to like talk to me and like come alive. <clears throat> but right now, like actually that we just said like this rush of water, it made me think of my sun and Mercury and, and cancer, which is water. Um, but honestly, no, I don't know that my chart has ever been like, you're a writer. I don't know that I've heard that oh, from it. I mean, that sun Mercury was on my mind too, actually, because they're exactly conjunct. They're Kazemi. So you were born at this, like during this very special transit of the messenger um, in a water sign. So I think that for anyone listening to this who has a grasp of what a Mercury Kazemi is, and I, you know, if not, like, we'll just say it's that moment where the sun and Mercury fuse and there's this like creative potency of Mercury. Um, but it's also like as a transit, it can be a time where the messenger is really alive. Like we really get a message from the universe or, you know, a dramatic message, an email, a letter or something like that. And so you're kind of born in that, like you're a walking embodiment of that. So this is, you know, I'm really excited to, to hear your writing, um, again. So was there, you've selected like a few pieces to share with us. Is there anything that you want to, um, share about it before we get started? <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> so I'm still like, sometimes I'm puzzled, like by the, by the words that come out on paper um and again like these pieces are emotionally charged um and so sometimes when I write like I feel like I'm writing sometimes I feel like there's like a cosmic self that is writing to me or that I'm writing too maybe like a pen pal kind of thing and so sometimes like the words come out and I'll use like you or me and I'm just like, who? <laughs> like, who's who? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, before, <clears throat> before sharing certain pieces, I think I'll say a little bit uh, before like the specific piece, but yeah, this is really special to me. So I feel really, I feel really honored to be here. Thank you. Oh, I feel honored that you're sharing with us. Um, so yeah, take us away, like with what you want to share first. Okay, cool. Um, so this first writing is called 
stoking the fire of belief and I wrote this February 22nd of last year at 3.47 p.m. So 2020 or 2021? 2021. Okay. Yeah. Um, Here I go. I've had many beliefs and sometimes it feels like I believe so hard that it makes me feel tense. I invest so much faith, attention, and energy that I become intense. So intense that I can't help but relax and go to the other side to counter that belief, to counter that intensity. Having a belief gives me the freedom to experiment, explore, and discover. But eventually, I discover a time when the belief no longer is no longer true for me, when it feels like it holds too much gravity. The freedom I once felt believing that belief turned into a brick wall, the universe throwing me a curveball. I evolved from belief to belief to create the undercurrent of believing. So when a belief no longer feels true, what do I do? How do I kill the belief that's been feasting on me? And how do I birth a new one? Does it come through to me or does it come through me? Do I use parts of the old one for the new one? Recycling. How do I keep in no faith when faith is constantly shape-shifting? How do I put belief into words, condense actions over time into a fine and definitive straight line? How do I make something so wide and deep into something so too deep? So beautiful. (laughs) Um, I love that feeling of kind of moving from belief to belief to be in the current of believing um, and that sense of surrender it feels like to be able to let go of something that has served a purpose of expansion for a time and to see when it becomes a cage, which I feel like is such an intelligence that was really needed when the nodes were in Gemini and Sag, like the whole collective needed that. Um, What was the kind of planetary um, connection that you felt in that? Like what transits did you feel connected to? Um, so when I, like, I hear, I hear my chart and I hear the transits, um, I hear the fixed cross when I talk about becoming like really intense. Um, and I noticed that, so the ruler of the North node of my North node, um, my North node is in Sagittarius. So Jupiter was crossing the ascendant. So that would have been the ruler of the collective South node. Um, so I heard a lot of Jupiter, like Jupiter's like, what, what do I believe? What is that? Like kind of bringing to light the cycle, you know, cause I feel like as it was crossing my ascendant, 
it was bringing all these things up of like, but like, what, what do you believe now? Right. It's interesting too. um, Jupiter and Aquarius would have been co-present with Saturn and Aquarius and that sense of like, is a belief supportive and facilitating expansion or has it become so restrictive? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. There was, um, there was something I wanted to share too about this transit. Um, Oh, so yeah. Um, how, when I say, how do I make something so wide and deep into something so 2D? I'm looking at Saturn. I wish I could share this chart with you. You can. I can. I can yeah. share the screen. Okay. Just give me a second. Okay. I've got it. Okay. Do you see that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I wrote here in my notes, Saturn trining my natal Jupiter in the eighth, how to condense or reform knowing into a formed reality versus like what has been taught to be true to me. Mm, Beautiful. Wow. And that's that Jupiter sitting right on your ascendant, Saturn hovering behind it in the 12th, trining the natal Jupiter in the eighth. Yeah. Were there any um, beliefs in particular that were transforming during this time that you want to share? Um, yeah, I think it was... There was a lot like going on under the surface where I was working on feeling into like what felt true for me, like in terms of just like values. Um, so Saturn, like trining my, also it was trining my Venus and Gemini there. So it was a lot of like, what do I value and how do I value myself and how is that being reflected back to me in my reality. Mm. All right. Can we go to the next one? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, okay. I'm going to stop sharing for a second and then. Okay. <clears throat> Wait, I'm sorry. This is going to work. I'll share it with you after I read. Okay. (laughs) Okay, this one doesn't have a name. I decided not to give it a name or it hasn't come through to me yet. But there is a Venusian, Pluto, and Chiron theme in here. Okay. If the sun sees light and makes shadows, but the sun sees no shadow... Does the moon see both light and shadow? I ask and I pray to the duet of light and shade to teach me about my mirror of mirrors. 
Connections create depth for me. And so diving in deep, I know that my life is like a dream. My mirrors or my dreams are like mirrors showing me the deepest parts of me. These parts leak out in doses. I could imagine if I downed all my poisons and remedies at once, I would probably self-destruct. Mirrors show me in reflection the shadows that tend to deflect from me. I look in a mirror and think that I see me, but I'm not convinced. What I see is a mirror reflecting who I think is me, but I can't step out of me and see me. This is why connections are so rich for me. When a mirror sets foot in front of another mirror, together they create a mirror out of mirrors, reflecting both light and darkness. What feels hard to look at is a mirror of shadows. It shows me a version of me that I've rejected so powerfully that I've made this part of me an enemy. It's an enemy that lives distant from me and who shows me where I fail to be seen. But this version of me is key to see so that my vision can truly be free. Wow. <laughs> I've been closing my eyes when you read these just so I can like fully receive them and go into them. And there's just so much sensation I felt from that one around like how deep feeling can go. Um, and being so aware or sensitive and then being reflected on um, all of those kind of like edgy, sticky, like, oh, I've rejected this. Um, and what it's like to kind of um, open back to that slowly in doses, as you said, through relating. Um, mm -hmm. How did you connect this to Pluto, Venus and Chiron? So <clears throat> at the moment, Venus, transiting Venus was at 22 degrees Scorpio. And I have my natal Pluto at 22 degrees Scorpio. Um, and so that was all training like my son, Kazemi, Mercury, Cancer. And with Chiron, Chiron, transiting Chiron was opposing Mars, like transiting Mars, and also the sun transiting sun so when I speak of that like enemy and like rejection and like the key is to see like I hear Chiron like kind of being like you know I feel like Chiron feels rejected or something like and Mars is kind of like making it out to be an enemy <clears throat> but the sun is right there and it wants to see Wow. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Yeah. Chiron is like the key, the key shaped glyph. Um, and that sense of the opposition to bringing polarity um, and even like that kind of psychological projection or having something that we reject in ourselves and then seeing it in the mirror through the other and then having to deal with it then like 
we can't really escape it when it's right in the mirror. (laughs) And I think that that's like one of the most vulnerable things about relationship is just that it shows us parts of ourselves and it becomes more intense through the other. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I feel like I'm stepping into shadow work in relationship for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, yeah, Venus and Scorpio right on Pluto. And this is really cool too, that you, um, you're bringing this to our attention because often we look at transits that are maybe like transiting Pluto somewhere, as opposed to transiting Venus lighting up parts of the chart. I think that those types of transits are felt through journeys, psychedelics, uh, a day that we have, right. Or like when you're writing and when your writing is so much a transmission and it's so intuitive and something's coming through that you really can have an experience of tracking a Venus transit, even though, um, Venus is so much faster moving than some of the longer acting Mm. ones. Mm. I feel lucky I captured her. (laughs) 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 That's really sweet. Yeah. Um, trying to, I'm just going to look at my notes to see if there's anything else. Um, Yeah, I think that's um, that's good for that one. Um, although I do also remember, like, uh, I have, um, where is it? Oh, also that day, um, Jupiter, so transiting Jupiter was at 22 degrees Aquarius. And so that was opposing oh, my yes. natal Chiron. <laughs> well, and it was square Pluto. I actually oh. really remember that Jupiter Venus square because uh, it was lighting up my my Pluto's at 22 degrees Scorpio as well. And I think I have Diana, Astrid Diana at 22 Aquarius. So I really remember that transit. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that day was lit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so then the next one, um, the next one is called Liquid Fire. And this one feels hot to me. Um, I, again, when I write, I later kind of take an objective approach to the writing because I'm like wow where did that come from like like on the surface it feels hot but I know there's like something deeper in there and I think this um this writing speaks to like I feel like the forces like outside of me like society, that voice that tells me to live from the outside in to see my worth versus living from the inside out. Um, so this writing speaks a lot to like self-worth. Um, so here I go. How do I deliver the truth without burning me and all that surrounds me? When I think of watering down the truth, I think of combining water with fire. 
Either water puts fire out or together they become liquid fire. Over the years, I've built a close relationship with my shadows and I've explored the neighborhoods of my underworld. It's an ongoing exploration. I didn't know what or who these shadows were at first, so I let my shadows drive and eat me alive, leaving just my bones to get me by. Getting to know my way around at night is becoming my craft. I feel a constant connection with my shadows, and because of this, I wonder if I attract other people's shadows or if their shadows attract me. What I'm missing when I'm navigating in the darkness of others are boundaries. If my magic is delivered through my paintbrush disguised as wind, then how do I paint boundaries with a craft I practice when it's all so dim? Mm -hmm. A little bit of a switch up here. It continues, but switch up in tone. Um, you see how I, you see how much I am worth, but it's been so long since we've met that now you forget my magic is something that only I birth. I've reached my limit and will no longer serve you any more magic than what you serve me. When my body checks and balances, Something is not adding up, and as a result, I'm tripping. The ground my feet touch, I did not design, and the map my hands touch is not mine. My magic isn't a potion you buy at Target, nor is it something you pick up at a farmer's market. My magic is my life. I see you are worth a galaxy and more but a galaxy that doesn't see other galaxies is more like a black hole, a creativity that vacuums all creations. I'm not seeking any more ailments. I now recognize the landscape and choose to walk away from your neighborhood of darkness. You come to me with an illusion that my magic gives you more worth but if you don't feel the weight of your own magic, then how could you possibly feel the weight of mine? You don't, because you make the mistake of thinking that my business is selling you your worth. It's no wonder this bridge is losing bricks and that I've been losing my balance. But I've also been training. I've been training my core to hold the weight of my spine, the pillar of my values, and to hold the weight of my chest, the keeper of my inner flame. Our investments change or our investments go to rest. Either way, I seek more change, but not spare change. I seek to take a sharp turn because what no longer holds value to my soul my inner flame is now choosing to burn. Dang. <laughs> I love that. You know, I, when you were saying at the beginning, this feeling this come in and be like, where does this come from? It, um, 
I feel like there's something so kind of like archetypally feminine about transmission and about just being in a flow state with creativity. Um, I was at like a taking a dance workshop from this person, Moname, and she was talking about how every day in the practice, like new emotions come up. You never know if what your body is going to present to you. And it feels like your writing is this really fertile ground for spontaneous emergence of, you know, whatever is like ready to burn, whatever's ready to clear or come out. Um, and, you know, there, there felt like there was so much relational rebalancing in this around really murky dynamics where, you know, perhaps like not even totally sharing a reality with another person and the sense of, you know, missing each other. Um, and maybe there being love there, you know, but feeling like not fully fed, um, and just kind of navigating that, um, in the murkiness of that kind of like nighttime consciousness where the boundaries aren't clear, the reality isn't necessarily shared. I mean, that's just what it made me think of, but I'm kind of, yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of like where I was at the moment. Like when I wrote it, yeah. What you're describing. Yeah. That's how I felt. (laughs) I was just, yeah. Internally, I was just like, again, like I was discovering these values and then seeing how, my world wasn't like, it wasn't like clicking. Yeah. Like Like, the dissonance, mm -hmm. which is such an interesting, um, it makes me think of Leo and Aquarius or something, or all the fixed signs really like having an inner value set Taurus, um, and starting to feel like your solar consciousness, like how you want to radiate Leo and then feeling where the field Aquarius is matching you and cohering or not. And it can be, um, I think people can get really stuck in that space where if the reality doesn't reflect their internal values, it's hard to hold. Like we tend to split off. Um, and so coming into that power, that fire, you know, becoming the sun where you're like, I don't need necessarily to be accurately reflected to be able to hold this part of me anymore. Like it's kind of, it's kind of moving from being the moon or something that is reflecting others to being the sun Mm. in a moment. Um, And, you know, just being in those positions too, where it's like, we can have a really deep truth or have an emotional truth and share it. And the person in front of us could be like totally invalidating And there's a relational kind of rupture that occurs in there, but then also that sense of like, can I trust myself? Like, is my reality real and navigating the external dissonance Mm. as a part of that, like inner strength process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. I love that. Like switch from like the moon to like the sun the sun definitely was like, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> what were the transits that you were connecting with on this? Um, let's see here. Um, so I remember that Vesta was coming up to my natal Mars. Vesta was in Virgo at 10 degrees and, um, I heard her a lot, like at the end too, like, she's like, 
she's like really protective over her inner flame. Um, and, um, oh, I forgot to mention when I woke up, this like happened as soon as I woke up, this like came out of me and I looked at the current chart, like of the moment. And I noticed that Uranus was right on the ascendant and it was like, whoa, (laughs) I was like a little bit like taken back. Um, but also like Uranus, uh, transiting Uranus was trining, uh, Vesta and my natal Mars. So, and also Vesta and my natal Mars are squaring my natal nodes, but they were also squaring the collective nodes. Um, so there was like, at the end, I say like, I need to take a sharp turn. And that reminds me of like the square. Wow. I really, I remember that Vesta, you know, square to the nodes time period. And it's interesting, like now that you mentioned Vesta Mars as like a lens to kind of reflect on this, um, writing through, there is that kind of like warrior spirit around that kind of like protective, you know, Vesta's like, this is the temple. Only those who are worthy can enter, you know, and then also the sense of defensive defensiveness where it's like, there is a need to protect the sacred. Um, and just living that, you know, viscerally where it's like you have an inner reality or like an inner fortress and, feeling into what relations are reciprocal. Um, it's a really interesting path to walk. Um, so we're not, yeah, not necessarily going to be validated by the other, but you, you know, you have that inner flame that you're like being loyal to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Natalie Vest is like opposing my Mars. So I feel like she was coming around like, Hey, (laughs) Uh, you know, there was something else too in that of like the magnetism of, you know, the, the other who's not necessarily seeing you or not even seeing their own self-worth, but they're attracted to the flame, you Mm -hmm. know, and having to navigate boundaries there, um, can be such a vestal theme too. Yeah, definitely. As I spoke like to the beginning of the writing, like I was figuring out, like, I was kind of getting sick of, like, getting stuck in, like, not having boundaries. And, like, I speak of, like, being in somebody else's underworld. And I'm like, how do I get out of here, Vesta? Like, where's the, where's my light? (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. That kind of um, reminds me of, like, I moved to, like, a new city, Like I went from Olympia, Washington to San Francisco and I, my energetic boundaries had to shift in a way that was really jarring all of the sudden where I felt like everyone was telling me their life story. Like I would just go out and people were like turning me into their therapist. And I was like, why is this happening? And it was really, um, there was a part of me that would get hooked into it. Cause it's like, oh, this person's like telling me some really deep stuff. Like I don't want to cut them off. Um, but I ended up shifting it not by even having boundaries with other people of like, Hey, I don't want to hear about this right now. I just stopped. It's almost like I had, um, 
like a carpet unfurled before me or like a, a container that was just like with a flashing neon sign of like, I will help you. And I just kind of internally turned that off and started to go through the world a little bit more closed um, because I realized that the level of openness I was holding in public was this like flame that was attracting moths kind of energy. And that like, I do have spaciousness to talk with people, but that it needed to be in the proper ceremonial context of like a consensual conversation, a reading, you know, and not everyone has that need. Like I, you can totally go through the world and ask spirit to like put you in service and like align you with the person that needs your help. But for me, I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do it in that way. Like send me, I will like be in service, but in this way that has boundaries. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really, um, I just kind of connected to that with it. And there's something too, Fabiola, like this direct experience of waking up and having writing just like come out of you. And then to look at the chart, like that's kind of a, um, a worldview or like a reality shift that can happen with that. That's funny. I thought of you when I, when I was like, cause you had mentioned in class of like looking or like casting a chart for the moment and like feeling sensitive to like the planets on the ascendant. And I was like, oh, what's happening? <laughs> like, who is my alarm clock today? Yeah. It's like, why am I so mad all of a sudden? And like <laughs> Mars is right on the ascendant. <laughs> it's funny because yeah. I, I think that 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 participatory relationship with reality can like really freak people out but it's like so magical too it it's kind of like finding yeah it, it's interesting though the kind of trippy like what's happening quality that opens up when we cast the chart of the moment and like the chart is literally reflecting the moment <laughs> we have the intelligence to, you know, and the literacy to read the chart, um, and can just be in awe of that synchronicity. For sure. For sure. That tickles me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just dreaming of spiders and then I wake up and I'm like, wow, like that in between I'm dreaming, but I'm not but like I'm writing. <laughs> yeah. It was a funny wake up. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm just going to see in my notes if there was anything else here. You know, Mars was also, um, transiting Mars was on my Kazemi, like my son Mercury Kazemi. And the sun, let me double check this. Mm. So Mars was on that Kazemi and <clears throat> the sun was going over my IC. And I remember when Mars had gone over my IC, I felt so hot like I felt so much anger and I just couldn't figure out quite how to move it out of me um so I think this was also like echoing like the sun is shining light on that like kind of sore spot that I was having 
And so I kind of heard that reflection in the writing as well with the Martian energy come through. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, Mars right over Mercury and you, your writing is hot that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I've got one more writing and um, I'll share the chart with you after I read it. Um, I didn't write too many notes on it, but yeah, this, this writing is a goodbye letter to a grad program that I was in. So And I call this a goodbye letter. This was April 27th, 2021 at 5.46 PM. Oh, where were the locations for these, by the way? So the location for these were in Bloomington, Indiana. All right. Life has been like an inception of languages, but along the way, I've noticed a feeling of constraint when I try to learn a language through the windows of an institution. I now know that the best way for me to learn about my path is by experimenting on my own. I feel like I've been struck by lightning, or perhaps I am that strike of light. This light tells me to devote myself to myself by moving to the rhythm of my heart. I feel like I have often tried to prove myself to myself and to all the selves outside of myself. I've boxed myself in, and now it's no wonder that I've been a fighter in my process work. As it feels that I fight the world, who I'm truly up against is my is myself. I'm fighting to be released from all the crystallized shells I've cocooned my inner self to be. I know that I live with Earth and that with her comes time and space. But something that Philip Scott, a teacher of mine, once said has made itself to stay. He said, Time is a social agreement. The pressures that I feel within myself are rooted in time and my perception of time. When I place time in the hands of someone else, I feel that I place my life at the door of their compass. But what about my compass? I feel that the language of Mother Earth gives me direction by guiding me from place to place. Her temple is my institution and her creatures are my teachers. Her language is the wind of my compass. And right now she gives me a gust of wind. It blows the compass needle and allows a breath in. It paints the walls of my heart, showing me where to drop the next pin. I'm realizing that my heart is beyond time constraints and certificates. It's beyond proving myself as an institutional leader and handcuffing myself to the ancient land of my old demeanors. 
the wind of my heart paved my path to this program, but it's now also part of my path to part ways with the program. I come from a lineage of women that have put themselves last, but one of the many lessons I've learned here is to put myself first. Putting myself first means voicing my own voice and dancing my own dance. I no longer want to feel like my healing is hanging out of my back pocket. And I no longer want to feel that my language of learning lies within a chain of locked lockets. I'm breaking free from this cocoon I've come to see and untying my wings that wish to breathe. Scholarship lies at the heart of institutions, but institutional heart surgery is not something I want to keep doing. I want to be a scholar of my own heart so that I can serve Mother Earth, the heart of all hearts. Mm. It's really beautiful to create a letter like that when making like a shift in direction to kind of like ceremonially mark the passage. The idea of like the um, recognizing like scholarship is at the heart of the institution, but I'm no longer interested in heart surgery, institutional heart surgery. Um, Yeah, it's really beautiful. I felt your nodes, your lunar nodes really strongly in that too like languages of Gemini and like, you know, that deeper philosophical, like what is my compass? What's my direction? Where do I really want to go? And like the higher learning associations with Sagittarius and how that can be institutional or it can be directly from, you know, the school of life and like the earth too. Mm, Yeah. Beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. I think I was trying to figure out like, the mechanics of my compass and like, yeah, I was trying to figure out deeply, like, what is it that I want? And so this was like, this was a surprise to me, but again, like it just came out of me and I feel like, yeah, my tears definitely wrote this. I was weeping when I wrote this. Um, I'll show you the chart real quick here. Okay. We had just had a full moon in Scorpio in my ninth house. So I, yeah, I hear a lot of like ninth house themes, like Sagittarius. Um, And I noticed that the collective nodes were right on my nodes, but it was like a flip-flop. The nodal reversal. Wow. Yeah. And I think totally like the full moon you know, culminating in on the third ninth with the moon in the ninth and that kind of association with the full moon relating to like letting go or like a, you know, and so that kind of, um, yeah, Scorpio, like death or decay process around like this was the trajectory I'd set out on and now I'm letting it go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Like, I feel like this kind of ties back to the first one that you shared around, like moving from truth to truth. And there's like a, 
egoic human tendency to crystallize things like we'll be on a path and then we decide we're doing it and like, damn it, we are going to follow it through all the way, no matter what. And like, even if the truth is like pointing in a different direction, we'll suppress that because it's inconvenient. Um, and it, it really does take intuition because sometimes, um, there are just hurdles that we want to get through. And other times it's like, no, this isn't the path. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can be so deeply personal and like soulful to really into it and feel into the truth of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could feel my, I could definitely feel my ego. Like, no, this is not, we had a plan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And Saturn was right on your ascendant too. And like that sense of coming out of the crystallized cocoon. Yeah. I heard that too there. Yeah. And Jupiter was like right on, I mean, coming up to my natal Saturn, a lot of Jupiter themes for that writing. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like Jupiter really shows up around, um, endings too. Like it's so expansive, but it, it blows things up to the point of their full, like, okay, the fruit's ripe. It's going to drop from the tree now. Mm. Like this path has been thoroughly investigated i'm gonna like change course now that mutable part about it yeah i felt the mutable too because that sense of like it was true to sign up for the program and now it's also true to leave and like the mutables i think really will will fluctuate like that Mm. um and that it becomes there's a sense of like the journey being like the overarching truth, not the exact particulars of the way that it shows up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it feels too like there, you know, there was a sense of a deeper soul mission or a deeper thing that you were wanting to further and feeling that the like, official accreditation, you know, university path was no longer like really cohering with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This reminded me of, uh, there was a book on that you suggested to the class on Uranus by Jeffrey Wolf Green. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uranus freedom from the known. Yeah. And I remember reading in there, um about like how there was an example in the book about like if I want to be a therapist in this in today's like society um there are going to be certain like rules to follow or like a specific path to take to get to that point where I can offer that to people um and I feel like the year on is that's like the Saturn part I think to it And then the Uranus part is like that, like, well, no, like I'm going to do it in a different way, you know, but in the book, I do remember reading something where it's like, well, you're going to kind of have to like go through some Saturn things like that to like, I don't know. Right. I remember that passage. Yeah. He's kind of talking about how, um, a soul might have a true calling to be a therapist. Like it is their Dharma. And then in order to kind of conform to the reality 
they'll go through the, um, the schooling and the accreditation while potentially remaining as free and detached as possible. You're honest. Um, but we're in another age now too, where like, um, one can become well-known on social media. Like one can develop their own entrepreneurial practice. Like there is a Saturn quality to those things. Um, but it's different. It's outside of the conventional, you know, but then there's the convention of social media, like what's, what's conforming in that space, you know, so there's always that interplay. Um, and I think that there's a sense of freedom we can find when we're like not prescriptive of like, this is what I want in life. And this is the only path that will allow me there. Like what's the, what's the real path. Right. And if we're unconventional to begin with, we don't necessarily need the most conventional path. Mm. <laughs> Snaps. Yes. <laughs> That's but, so yeah. Um, where do you like, where do you see things going now in terms of kind of what, where the path is headed? Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, my path currently is finding me and I feel like my path involves a lot of things like it involves astrology it involves I guess right now I'm at a point where I'm trying to like mix what I have gathered thus far um like all these different paths that I've tried to take and now I'm in I'm at a point where I'm like I don't know like alchemizing them into a path that I can walk on you know yeah I also hear the notes and that <laughs> all these experiences Gemini like yeah synthesizing them so this was a real like it's always a pleasure to hear your writing um it inspires me so much um there's like a a watery kind of intuitive magical quality to your words um and it's just really exciting to know you and get to share spaces with you. And I'm glad that, um, we got to have your poetry. I don't know, like what we've been calling it, your writing. It feels like poetry, but I don't want to like yeah. just say, yeah, <laughs> but like, you know, have your, um, poetry, your writing, like on this podcast, I feel very honored. Um, how can people connect with you from here? Um, Thank you. I well, thank you. You inspire me, like for sure. I love reading your forecasts. Um, but where can people find me right now? Um, I have an Instagram. I'm definitely not active on it right now. Um, but if or I have an email, like, but I don't know if anyone wants to write me a letter. <laughs> Um, Sabrina, you can tag my Instagram if you want to. Um, it's like the name, I'm pretty sure the name is Babby Calvo, one word, and then like an underscore. Okay, we'll find out <laughs> in the notes. Um, but yeah, you're 
your Instagram presence, I see you share like hikes, um, walks in nature with your dog and, um, yeah, who knows? Maybe more like poetry and whatnot to come. Yeah. I'll, I'll come out eventually and we can all hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Fabiola. Thank you so much, Sabrina. 